You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 52. Hey guys, so we have a birth story this week. I interviewed Erin on both of her birth stories. She talked about both of them. Erin is a mom of three kiddos aged three and under living in Chicago. And after a traumatic birth with her twin daughters, um, she ended up having a long pushing time with them and forceps delivery and a third degree tear. She then shares why the unmedicated hospital birth of her son, her youngest, was a long-awaited redemptive experience. So yeah, with her first birth with her twins, um, things didn't quite go as planned. You know, everything was kind of crazy. There were a bunch of people in the OR at the time when she delivered vaginally and, you know, put, like I said, pushing for a really, really long time with them and then ended up with a forceps delivery and a third degree tear and also didn't get to see her babies right away. Um, so she talks about that, having that experience and then going into her second one, wanting to do things a little bit differently and advocating you know, better for herself. So she actually ended up taking my course too, which she utilized and she'll talk about. She ended up getting a doula as well involved with her second birth. Pretty cool birth story. I'm not going to spoil her second one. Um, But yeah, let's get into today's episode with Erin. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Today's episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was sponsored by Juna. Juna is the companion app for your motherhood journey. I've talked about Juna a lot on my podcast before. I've had Sarah, the founder of Juna, on my podcast to um, share her birth stories and talk a little bit more about Juna. But Juna is basically an app that you can download on your phone. I currently have it downloaded on my phone and I have the right week in there of my pregnancy and it gives you fitness information and nutrition information for the current week that you're in. It follows you throughout your whole pregnancy and into postpartum and it gives you scientifically backed up-to-date fitness and nutrition information all in one place. When you download Juna, you'll enter your baby's due date if you're expecting or your baby's birthday if you just had your baby. Then you'll be put directly into the appropriate week of your journey. There's a key nutrient every single week with recipe suggestions, a daily trimester-specific workout, and pregnancy and postpartum tips from Sarah and the team at Juna. There's really no other app like it out there. I personally use this app Um, to work out. It's really, really easy. I just put my phone on a tripod and I, you know, sometimes I do it at the office, sometimes I do it at home and I just follow these little workouts and they're super easy. Um, Very, very easy to follow and you can do modifications. It's not like these crazy, crazy, hard, hard workouts where you're like, oh my God, I'm dying (laughs) because I don't like working out like that. There are upper body, lower body, total body, and then barilates, I think I'm saying that's right, um, which focus on core, pelvic floor, and booty. I think those are my favorite ones that I've done. I've done all of them, but I like the barilates ones the best. 
There's also postpartum workouts, three different programs, one that kind of gets you started in the first six weeks after you give birth because you don't want to be doing anything super strenuous at that point. And it's all about pelvic floor re-strengthening, okay? And then the next two programs kind of build on each other after you get clearance from your doctor or your provider at six weeks. I love it. Um, I think it's a really, really great, easy app. She's always adding stuff in there too. So it's got a lot of really, really great information in there. Sarah is also giving a special offer to all the Mommy Labor Nurse listeners. If you are interested in this app, you have a free seven-day trial, but right now you can get Juna for 20% off a full subscription, a yearly subscription, by using the code LIESEL, that's L-I-E-S-E-L, at subscribe.juna.co. Again, that's 20% off any subscription from Juna, and the promo code is LIESEL, my first name, L-I-E-S-E-L, at subscribe.juna.co. And now let's get into today's episode. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, all that good stuff? Sure. I live in Chicago with my family, which includes my husband and our three kids. I have twin daughters who will be three in a few weeks, and my son is nine months old. Awesome. Good age. Yeah. Good, good little age gap there. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably nice and busy, though, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a full house for yes. sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we are doing a birth story today and Erin is going to talk about both births and kind of the stark uh, differences between both. So Erin, usually what I tell people to do is to kind of go back um, with your twin, with your first, you know, first birth to your twins and kind of go back to when you were kind of finding out you were pregnant with them, um, how that was. And we'll talk about that pregnancy. You can even share if you had any issues with fertility or, you know, previous losses or anything like that. And then we can get all into, of the above. Yes. All of the, there you go. Okay. Um, and then we can get into their birth story. So go ahead. Sounds good. Um, so the pregnancy with my daughters was a result of years of fertility treatments. Okay. Um, I think it was our fourth IVF oh, and it was kind of a Hail Mary cycle with our last mm -hmm. two embryos. Um, so when there were two heartbeats, we were thrilled, obviously, but um, the pregnancy required a lot of extra monitoring, yeah. just, you know, you'd get way more ultrasounds and everything's just a little bit more intense, right. um, being a twin pregnancy and being a pregnancy from IVF. And then I went into preterm labor at 28 weeks, one day yes. during a routine ultrasound, my favorite ultrasound tech found that I was, you know, you, you get real regular relationships oh, with these yeah. people, seeing them all the time. And she found that I was over a centimeter dilated and I had like no cervix left. Oh, so it was really thin. I was sent to the hospital and I stayed there for a week to be monitored. Um, you know, I even, I got to like three centimeters that first night that I was there and somehow they were able to stop things. So, okay. um, that was really good. But from that point on, I was put on modified bed rest and yeah. somehow I made it to 36 weeks. Wow. Um, 
eight weeks just by <laughs> laying around and doing the stairs like once a day, if that, and just working from bed. But even then I would be in triage at least once a week, sometimes twice a week with contractions. I just had contractions all the time, basically during that pregnancy. And um, I didn't have a birth plan per se. My mm -hmm. doctor was supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Um, if I made it to 38 weeks, which is considered full term for twins, mm -hmm. I could have a C-section or whenever I went into labor, I could opt to have a C-section or as long as baby A, the baby closest to the exit, mm -hmm. was head down, I was free to try vaginally. Um, the only, you know, must have that my doctor required was that I would have to have an epidural in either case, in case there was some kind of a emergent situation mm -hmm. that required a C-section. And I don't know. I know that nobody ever really knows what's going to happen with their pregnancy. And nope. <laughs> there are plenty of singleton moms that end up with breech babies and have their options limited. But the fact that there were two in there just honestly yeah. felt too overwhelming for me yeah. to plan for. And I think coming from an infertility background made me feel like I didn't have a right to preferences surrounding a birth, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I should take what I can get and be happy about it because there were people who would die to be in my shoes, pregnant with twins after. Yeah. And, and that's a lot to take on, you know, and that's mm -hmm. grief that you kind of go through, uh, you know, as yourself. I, I mean, I, I know exactly the kind of the feeling that you're describing that you basically are like, oh, I'm feeling these things, but I'm, am I really allowed to feel these things because yeah. of X, you know, because like there are so many other people that deal with this, but I am, you know, but they are valid, but are they really valid? So yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah. And, and looking back, I know that wasn't fair, but right, right. you know, and it didn't work out for me. <laughs> it yeah. didn't work out for me. Well, anyway, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, the night before I hit 36 weeks, um, I had been having, you know, all the contractions leading up to everything, but that night everything got a lot more intense. Okay. Um, I actually ate Chipotle for dinner and went yep. to bed feeling amazing. <laughs> and then I woke up two hours later, like in active labor. Wow. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy just how fast, slow, yeah. but then very fast. And so I was feeling really excited when I got to the hospital and they said, yes, your water actually broke. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was progressing pretty well. Like when I got there, I was already at four centimeters and they were like, okay, now you have to decide, are you going to <laughs> have a C-section or are you going to try to have them vaginally? Mm -hmm. And I had a really, really awesome L&D nurse who was like, there's no, like, you know, been around the block many times, just right. had like a very soothing um, energy. And she was like, there's no reason you can't have these babies. They're both head down, you know, you're healthy, you can do this. And so she actually influenced my decision a lot because up until that moment, I still didn't really know what I was going to do. So 
I just decided to go for it. And I had my epidural placed. That went totally fine. Um, and I just kind of hung out for a little bit. I was progressing well. Um, I went in, you know, pretty early in the morning. And by late morning, I was already like at nine centimeters. So oh, wow. like everything was going really well until mm -hmm. it was time to push. Okay. Um, I had to deliver in the OR with no joke, 20 people right. in the room. They <laughs> needed me to deliver there in case, you know, I ended up needing a C-section, but I had to be on like on an operating table, which for my, it's very uncomfortable, know, <laughs> almost 200 pound, <laughs> hugely yeah. pregnant self. It yeah. was not like a good place to yeah try and have twins. Yeah. And then I was also having crazy back labor. Um, and so I asked them to turn up my epidural and then they turned it up way too high. So oh. I couldn't feel, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, completely white space below the waist. And I was also very confused by pushing. Like, mm. I think mostly because of the epidural numbing any sensation I had but they, I felt like they would tell me to hold my breath at times and it felt really unnatural and unproductive mm -hmm. and then like if I didn't do it right they would be like oh that one didn't count let's start over mm -hmm. like that whole part was just super confusing as a first time mom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know that was pretty demoralizing having like 20 people looking at you being like go mom, you're doing great. And then pushing your heart out and like not seeing, you're seeing that you're not moving the needle. Like I was just pushing and pushing and pushing for, you know, an hour and a half mm -hmm. and there was very little progress for twin A. So at that point I was like, Hey guys, this isn't working out. Yeah. Like I can't do this anymore. You guys can give me a C-section or whatever, but yeah. this, you know, this isn't going to work. So they ended up using forceps, which mm -hmm. is actually kind of crazy because I'm the only one I know in my circle of friends who got forceps. You can probably speak to this more, but I feel like forceps are kind of like going out of fashion. They are, they are <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know one provider that I work with who that is her, her preference. Um, I mean, she will, she will vacuum, um, she will vacuum babies, you know, if needed, but that, but her yeah. preference is certainly forceps. Um, yeah. so I've only honestly ever seen her use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're right. You're correct in that forceps is definitely, I think, I think it's not only less people are using them, but you know, the doctors are just naturally getting trained less on them because they're not right. being used as much. So yeah, you're correct in that. <laughs> yeah. And he was, he was an older guy. So yeah, maybe that's his preference, but most yes. people I know have gotten vacuumed or yes. just, just C-sectioned at that point. Yes. Um, so they, they pulled out twin a with the forceps and that sucked, but you know, it was fine. I honestly felt like the back labor was worse than the forceps. Mm -hmm. Like that's how much the back labor hurt. 
Um, sucks. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just especially so when you're on a really hard OR table and you're on your back yeah, and you're you just can't yeah. move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so she, you know, she got out safely, and I got to see her with a short little drive by, and then they took her away. But mm -hmm. then Twin B suddenly went into distress, and so everyone uh -oh. kind of turned their focus to that. Um, shockingly you know, so much water came out with twin A that I thought that both water bags had broken, but that mm -hmm. was not the case. Twin mm. B's water bag had not broken up until that point. So yeah. once that, they broke her water and then her heart rate started going crazy. Mm. Um, my doctor said he was watching, or I'm sorry, my husband said he was watching you know, all of the doctors and nurses faces. And it was just like this collective, like darkening of everyone's Aww. eyes all at the same and how, time. How like just, I mean, yeah, I think that's natural. We, we do that naturally, um, in emergencies, but it's, we got to think about how that makes family feel and patient feel, you know, when we're just like really, really concerned and, and dark <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> because baby's heart rate is not great. Um, so yeah, that's just, yeah, I did not know because I was just too, you know, in an Consumed, intense yeah. moment. But yeah. um, he he says that's one of the things that he remembered yeah. about you know the whole experience. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone was very concerned about that. So then they four stepped her out. I think even faster um, and okay. more bluntly than the first twin. And that's mm -hmm. when I ended up getting a third degree tear. Uh, yeah. And so I was losing a lot of blood and, you know, twin B was not in good shape. Like they whisked her away also. So I didn't even really get to see her before they took her to be resuscitated. Mm -hmm. But um, I was losing blood. And for some reason, no one realized how much. Um, I don't know how they keep track of all that, but the amount I lost didn't raise a red flag for anybody at that okay. point. Okay. So the twins went to the NICU. I went to the recovery area and I was just kind of laying there, you know, talking. I was even making jokes and stuff, but I was just so tired and weak that I couldn't even stand up to get out of bed, to get into the wheelchair without feeling like I was going to pass out. Like I would try this, you know, every hour and I could never make it into the wheelchair for like five or six hours after the delivery. And I mm. still hadn't met the babies at that point. So I had a really, really great nurse at that point who, you know, advocated for me and they wheeled me in my bed into the NICU, which typically isn't allowed. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not well enough to get in the wheelchair, you can't meet your babies, mm -hmm. at least at this hospital. So at least that way I got to meet them um, because you know, it just it kind of sucked. Like a lot of other people had already met them and held them, like my husband and some of our other family had got to. And so just not a great way to start things off. And I just felt like I was in total shock at this point. Right. Like, you know, so and what was, I had one question. Did they just go over there? You said you were just shy of 36 weeks. Did they just go over there for prematurity and then being, um, for, I know you said twin B was having decelerations and kind of had to be a little bit, you know, resuscitated after birth. Yeah. Did they just go over primarily because of prematurity or were they having 
uh, issues afterwards? Is that why they? No, no, okay. they were just feeders and growers once okay. they got there. But okay. um, they were they were both six pounds, so it was okay. a little bit surprising because when they first came out, they were like, "Oh, maybe they won't have to go." Yeah. After all, and stay at the NICU, and then um, for some reason they did. Okay. Okay. So it so, just wasn't like super super clear. Yeah, yeah and that's unfortunate that. You had to, you know, it's understandable that they want you to wait that long because of your health status, but like, maybe it's just, Hey, you know what? The, the most important person that needs to see these babies is mom and nobody else needs to go over there before that. I know, I understand that, you know, we have all this family and everybody wants to meet them, but like, Hey, you know what? I just push these to me. So like I get to see it first (laughs) and I try to always, um, you know, regardless of it's twins or, you know, uh, another reason why baby is over there in the NICU, I try to always be caught, be aware of that to mom and, you know, say, Hey, like, do you want to be the first one? Do you know, do you want to go over it just for kind and maybe that was never really brought up to you. You know what I mean? Maybe if that had been an option, maybe if that had at least been an option, you would have said, oh, you know what? It, it's okay. You know, yeah. like so-and-so can go over, but maybe that wasn't just, eat. and I don't, I'll ask you that. Was that even ever brought up? I don't think so. And yeah. another thing that wasn't really brought up was whether or not I was going to breastfeed. And okay. I, you know, the, st- the, the people were great. Like I assume really good intentions from yeah. everyone at that hospital. But like, that was one thing that also I was so taken aback by after my mm-hmm. milk came in at two days, like two days after I had them, because mm-hmm. once again, like my birth plan or lack thereof, I hadn't prepared for anything since right. there right. was a small part of me that was still convinced the whole taking home two babies thing wasn't going to happen. So uh, yeah, I was just, you know, just a little bit like disassociated from the whole thing. And so I feel like also they didn't really ask me about it because I was so critical, like I was getting gotcha. blood transfusions. And so I have to assume that that's kind of the reason why, like there were Makes other sense priorities that they were focused on but yeah like looking back that's one of the things that you're just like okay I wish that somebody would have taught me or told me about Mm -hmm. colostrum like I didn't even know what (laughs) like that colostrum was going to come out of my body for Mm -hmm. before everything and Mm -hmm. I had you know no idea how to pump clearly couldn't breastfeed because I had two 36 weekers in the NICU and so they don't have that suck swallow reflex reflex yet and so um you know I was then turned out to be a exclusive pumper from the get-go and I just didn't you know it it was a lot to process at the time yeah makes total sense and I was just going to ask you before we get into uh your son and the story with him how that you said you said you started off as an exclusive um pumper and how that that kind of went, you know, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was really the only option at first. And then, um, I was just chained up to that thing around the clock and they had some formula in the NICU, but then after a while I was pumping all of the milk that they needed and the whole situation just kind of got a little bit out of control. Um, I think that was like the one thing that I felt like I could do well for them, given that the Mm -hmm. whole birth experience 
things didn't go super great to mm -hmm. say the least. Mm -hmm. So I was just really fixated on providing all of the ounces that they needed in a day. And so, um, you know, <laughs> to the, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but to the point where when my son was born, I was like, I am not pumping at all. <laughs> it almost had like PTSD from this thing. Yeah, like I will breastfeed, and if I need to supplement supplement with formula, that's yeah. totally fine. But I am not pumping because I was hooked up to that pump yeah. all the time, like wow. all hours of the day, and during the first six weeks, and so I just burnt out honestly like not a huge shock but postpartum did not go very well for me after that whole experience like I, I truly feel like I was in shock like the yeah. medical definition of shock and I didn't even realize what had happened and that you know it wasn't normal and that I was allowed to be upset about it for a few weeks honestly afterwards yeah after having uh, my daughters. I remember the doctor called me after a few days at home, which was super weird, like to get a cell phone call from your doctor mm -hmm. calling you. And he was like, hey, I just wanted to check on you. You had a tough delivery. I wanted to check on your mood and your recovery. And I remember being like, why is he calling me? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I had two twins vaginally and they're healthy. Like, I'm fine. Wow. So and you then, didn't even like really no. put, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Like you were struggling so bad, but you're like, I, I mean, I, my babies are fine. Like why? And I, yeah. I, I think I naturally kind of do that too. Um, just when I'm not, you know, when I've kind of gone through, like, I remember after I gave birth, um, I was having you know, you have just like the initial soreness with breastfeeding and you're just, you know, sore overall from postpartum and yeah. not really. And I just remember thinking like, I just went through so much immense pain. Like this is nothing like, yeah, I'm in pain. Like <laughs> yeah. this, this hurts, but I can't, you know, I'm like almost minimizing it to the effect because like I went through this you know, experience of giving birth. So I, I, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just shock. It like is. it's just yeah. complete shock and like some, you know, it's just such a monumental shift and it happens so fast right. that it's too fast for your body to like process and keep right. up with. So at about six weeks, that was when everything started kind of like crashing down for me and I feel like okay. whenever any of my friends have babies I always of course check in on them the first few days but yeah. I really start to check in on them at about the six week mark the eight week mark mm -hmm. the you know three month mark like that's when I feel like things get really exhausting in the postpartum phase because 100%. the adrenaline mm -hmm. the adrenaline has worn off and now reality has set in your sleep deprived you know for me I was still pumping around the clock and you know I I would hear my daughters cry and I would felt I would feel like I drank like eight cups of coffee, which I now realize is anxiety. Yes. Um, yes. But <laughs> it was just, yeah. And that's very common that you brought up like that six week mark. Cause I remember talking um, on another separate podcast to um, she's psyched mommy on Instagram and she like does, you know, psychologist, she's saying that's like that clinical time period of when people 
like even after, you know, you can experience postpartum depression, postpartum mood, you know, anxiety, mood disorders after you have a miscarriage. And she said, it's typically, you know, you experience it at about that, that six week mark. Yeah. So yeah, clinically that makes sense that it was about yeah. that time frame. Yeah. And I remember going to my six week postpartum and like <laughs> right after that is when I started just feeling, you know, really yeah. bad. And yeah. so, but that there's no more appointments after that. That's it. Then you're just yeah. kind of on your own and you have to work through or help have your, you know, support system help, help you work through everything. And Absolutely. I was tough. just, yeah, I was just totally unprepared for how difficult it was. And like, I just felt like a, I don't know, like a loser kind of mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like what, what am I doing? Like I'm a, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a great birth experience and I'm not a good mom and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Just like tons of negative self-talk and just, you know, it lasted for a long time. I think that, you know, the anxiety and the anger and just feelings in general of not adjusting well and not feeling bonded to them um, lasted for about, I would say like five months or so until I felt like any sense of normal life return. Like I still look back at pictures from those first six months and I just don't even look like myself. Like, yeah, you almost shudder because you're like, I don't even yeah. remember that. Yeah. I was going to ask you um, before we get into your son. So you said it was about five, five, six months. What did anything change at that point? Or when did you kind of recognize that? Oh, <laughs> like this was going on. Like, did you, did you seek any intervention? Like, did you yeah. start going to therapy or did you medication or was it just that now babies are getting older and I'm getting more efficient and more used to taking care of babies and I'm, you know, feel just overall feeling better. Yeah. I think it was a little bit of all of that, okay. you know, okay. you, you probably know from, you know, your son around the five or six month mark, they start sleeping more. And yeah. so I think Thank that God. that <laughs> kind of like helped everything level out a little yeah. bit, but yeah. I also like had to do a lot in terms of putting myself back together with yeah. talk therapy, physical therapy, um, you know, I joined a support group for Good. people with postpartum depression. Um, just, you know, it was a ton of work. And so then we'll transition now. Yeah. I got pregnant with my son when my daughters were 18 months old and I felt like I was brought right back to square one in yeah. a sense. And that's um, common. And that's because very common. A huge part of my healing process was knowing that I'd never have to give birth yeah. or deal with early postpartum ever again. Yeah. So it was just very hard to process, especially since we were given less than a 1% chance of getting pregnant naturally ever. I was just going to ask, like, <laughs> wait a second, yeah. <laughs> like, didn't she do IVF and you had yes. all these fertility issues? And then yes. wait a second. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like eight weeks or seven weeks or something when I even found out that I was pregnant. So okay. not, you know, tracking or even thinking that that was a reality at right. all. Right. Um, and so there was a little brief period of processing the new situation, but mm -hmm. then I just, you know, 
started to try and really do things differently this pregnancy. Um, one of the major things was taking your course. I don't even, I was thinking before this conversation, I don't even remember how I found it. It must have <laughs> been on like Instagram, obviously, but it's usually where um, most people do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just remember, you know, it was really therapeutic for me to learn about all of the different options and scenarios. And I was kind of able to work through that because, you know, feel being informed, what didn't meant, didn't mean that I was ungrateful or being difficult or like how how I had thought with my infertility twin pregnancy, like Mm -hmm. reading things like Ina Mae Gaskin and other perspectives that kind of treat birth as a natural event rather than some big production. I hired a doula. I just basically went to the opposite end of the spectrum. (laughs) My first birth. So I would kind of joke that my birth plan was leave me the F alone. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny, Erin, that you say that because I remember saying that specifically to my provider. I God love her. I mean, I don't have a bad relationship with her at all, but I remember saying that exact, like just because I remember I went into my, um, I went into labor and I went into triage and I was like, Hey, um, check, you know, check my cervix. I, I, my water's not broken. Go ahead and just break my water. That's fine. But then leave me the F alone until I'm going to deliver and I'll just labor. (laughs) That's so funny. I didn't want to be told how to breathe, yeah. <laughs> how to push, like that was yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and the whole last month of the pregnancy, I thought that I was going to go early because I did well, yeah. with the girls. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was just kind of like, oh no, I'm going to have him early. And then that didn't happen. And before I knew it, it was, you know, my due date approaching mm-hmm. and, um, the morning I gave birth, I remember waking up and being starving, like just wanting, wanting protein, which is super strange for me. Usually I just have like boring oatmeal for breakfast. And I was like, I want an omelet <laughs> with half of an avocado on top. <laughs> and like, if we have any sausage, fry that up. Like, and then not only did I want a huge breakfast, but I wanted to go grocery shopping afterwards. And I remember just walking through the grocery store and being like, I can't believe I haven't had this kid yet. This is crazy. I had the twins at 36 weeks. It was just very difficult to separate that first birth from yeah. the like yeah. second birth. Um, yeah. So I just couldn't believe that I had not had him early. And so filling up my whole cart with junk food at the grocery store, just like <laughs> stomping around, just being an angry <laughs> pregnant woman. And as you are allowed to be, it's fine. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and I got home and unpacked the groceries, parked my big pregnant butt on the couch. And then after a few minutes, my water just like oh. popped. It was a huge pop. I knew exactly what it was. Okay. And this was three in the afternoon. Um, and the plan was for me to kind of labor at home as long as possible, but it was Friday afternoon in the summer in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so my doula was like, I think you should make your way to the hospital, um, which is only five miles away, but in Chicago in the summer traffic on Friday afternoon would take, you know, ah. quite a while to get to. So she was like, I don't want you to get in a situation where you're, 
you know, potentially like giving birth in a car, especially since it's your (laughs) your second, you know, your second time giving birth, a lot can change in two hours. So we got on the road and my husband was timing my contractions, but I was like, don't tell me how close together they are. I don't want to know. It's not relevant to me. I don't want to focus on anything quantitative, just how I feel right now. Yeah. And so we got to the hospital like 45 minutes later, 45 minutes to go five miles. And I checked in (laughs) and they told me how it was one of the busiest days of the year um, for, you know, triage and labor and delivery. And the floor was completely full. Like they were sending inductions home because they didn't have any space for them. And it was just so weird. Like there wasn't a full moon, no thunderstorm. Like it just... I don't know why, like the hospital was full. So going back to the birth plan of leave me the F alone, I got my wish because the hospital was so (laughs) short staffed, you know, with all these people giving birth. And so in triage, it was just me and my husband and my doula and thank God for her because otherwise I would have been freaking out just with, you know, the level of interaction I was Mm -hmm. having or not having with the the staff Um, because I didn't want to be checked. I didn't want an epidural. So they were just kind of like, okay, like let us know when you need something. Right. Um, And my doula was so helpful. She was walking me through, you know, comfort measures like rubbing little oils on my back and helping me through the miles circuit and that little tree. Great, aren't they? They just, yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You get a good one. They're great. I just cannot emphasize enough. Like if if it would have been me and my husband, I would have been freaking out because, you know, God love him. He's, he was amazing, but not in that type of proactive way that she was. So um, after an hour or so in triage, I felt things really intensify. And then my doula felt like it was serious. And so she went out into the hall to flag someone down (laughs) to -hmm. check me. And at that point, I was six centimeters already. Nice. And this is, I think, my biggest takeaway from your course at that point I was like, okay, six centimeters, it's Friday afternoon. You know, I'll probably have him by Saturday night. Like I was just (laughs) mentally taking the long game, like planning on it taking a long, a lot longer than it actually will be. Mm -hmm. Um, Just mentally setting my expectations for it to be a lot more difficult. Yeah. So at that point they, you know, wheeled me upstairs and then um, but once I got upstairs, I feel like everything happened super fast. The whole labor, spoiler alert, was four <laughs> hours from nice. water break to baby on chest. Um, so that part was really, really intense. And I don't know if I could have gone without an epidural if I was a first time mom. Like right. I think the fact that it was only four hours was what took me across the goal line. Like oh, I don't gosh. know if I could have I don't know if I could have handled much more than that. It was it makes a really, huge difference. Yeah. When it's that when it when it's the when you it's know, fast. the time period is is shorter. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I was, you know, it was great being mobile and being Mm -hmm. able to stand up. I really wanted to have him standing up and they wouldn't let me. They were like, no, you have to get on the bed. And I was like, I can't get on the bed. That was the (laughs) biggest, like, 
that was the biggest, I think, uh, turning like, point. Eh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, um, yeah. So anyways, after that point, it was just like being in the passenger seat of a really crazy car ride. Like my yeah. body was doing everything and yeah. taking over. And all I had to do was just mentally withstand the pain, right. but my body was just, uh, you know, running the show. And then at a certain point they were like, all right, it's time to push. And I was kind of like, Hey, wait a second. I didn't want to be told when to push. Why are you guys <laughs> telling me when to push? Like my one thing was leave yeah. me the F alone. <laughs> I know. And, and my doula, again, thank God for her, was actually like, it's because you'll be out of the pain if you yeah. just push through. You're so yeah. close. The only way out of this situation is to go through it. So just right. basically oh, surrender, good. like surrender. Oh, she sounds the, so good. She was awesome. <laughs> I love her. Lauren Elliott in Chicago. We'll, we'll um, give her a shout out. Hey, Lauren. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then three pushes later, he was out. They put him on my chest. Nobody bothered us. He oh. was perfect and pink and crying and hungry and a big guy. He was nine pounds. Oh. So it was just like really amazing. Like one of the most empowering and awesome experiences I've ever had just coming into the world with no drama yeah <laughs> basically a little drama but not not very much yeah so. no that's uh, like amazing and I'm sure so healing for you from what you had you know what you yes. went through with your twins yeah absolutely yeah, like a do-over for yeah, sure for sure um I wanted to ask about first about your recovery with him and how that went and if you I know you said you had a third degree with your um your twins if you tore as severely with him or what kind of your tear was and how your recovery was and then um your breastfeeding experience with him as well so night and day again okay. kind of like everything from conception all the way through right right the birth story um why wouldn't it be right yeah <laughs> yeah they um they called my tear a 1.5 okay. so not quite okay. a 2 but you know not not great but the 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 part that i will say the recovery was awesome i was up walking around within Good. 30 minutes of having him you know Good. contrast that to couldn't even get in the wheelchair after 5 hours with the mm -hmm. twins but the thing that I think was a little bit deceiving was the fact that I was feeling so good and so hopped up on adrenaline. I wanted to go home after 24 hours because I wanted to get home to my daughters and I was just feeling so good from not having the epidural. Like your brain tricks you into thinking that you have more energy than you really do. Oh, totally. So <laughs> that was one part that I felt like was interesting about giving birth unmedicated because you still have to take your time and, you know, honor what your body's going through. And so after a week or so of being home, I was like, I'm not feeling super good. And so I went back to the, um, my OB and he's like, Oh no, you're totally fine. But you actually just need to rest. Like yeah. your, your baseline is probably overdoing it. So after giving birth, you really just need to make sure that, um, you don't overdo it. And then with breastfeeding, I was determined to not pump. And I largely stuck to that um, up until, you know, 
I stopped breastfeeding altogether Mm -hmm. um, when I went back to work. Like it was just very easy and I was not as obsessive about about doing 100% breast milk. And I was a lot more comfortable with integrating formula from the get-go to take some of the pressure off of me. And yeah, that was just really nice and easy as well. Like my, you know, I never had any soreness or any type of clots like I would have with um, the twins because I pumped so much that I was engorged basically Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was just really slow and steady and easy in terms of that with my son. That's amazing. That's so great that it was such a difference from going through that first experience. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I wanted to ask you one more question before we say bye. Um, I know you mentioned that my course you took, and that was a good resource. And then were there any other books or anything else that you read or anything that you can recommend? I know you said, you know, definitely recommend a doula. Was there anything else that you found that was really helpful? Let me think. I know you said, I think you said Ina May, you read Ina May, yeah, right? Ina Baskin. Yeah. Um, that was really it. Honestly, yeah. I didn't have a lot of um, mental bandwidth to like yeah. read a ton of things. So that's why your course was super helpful also Good. because I could just lay in bed and kind of watch it, listen <laughs> to it or watch what I was yeah. particularly interested in that day in smaller chunks. Yeah. So um, Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you had such a, such a good experience the next go around. And you said your son is nine, nine months. Nine months and cute as ever. It's so fun. I love this age so much. Anything after six months, I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. Gosh. I know. I'm like looking forward to that is I I'm looking forward to the newborn you're just yeah. having like a little tiny burrito yeah. baby that you can hold, but gosh, yeah. like that after six months, you know, that eight, nine months when they're kind of like crawling around and they're trying new food, that's just so fun. So yeah. yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on again. I think this was a great story for thank people you. to listen to. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was therapeutic to talk about. <laughs> well, good, good. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.